0: Welcome to the Century 21 Foundation Series, an introduction to our unique process and how we help agents build better businesses, defy mediocrity, and deliver extraordinary client experiences. Let's get started.
1: Welcome back to our Foundation Series. I'm Dylan DeBrain, broker owner of Century 21, and I'm with...
0: Angela Fisher, the Agent Development Director.
1: And we're back talking about how to build a better business. And we're going to dig in today, guys, to this idea that we've touched on a little bit about taking control of your lead, specifically with these two ideas, the first being agent archetypes and the second being the idea of five spokes. So let's jump in.
0: Yeah. And before we get to those two specific topics, um, we kind of want to just kick off first with um, the importance of lead generation. I think this is an important piece that every agent needs to comprehend and really um, get before they even think about their archetypes and their five spokes. So Dylan, why don't you start off? Um, What is the importance of lead generation? What do we want everybody to know?
1: Like why start here? Yeah. 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 Well, I think we touched on this. We, we are in the service business and we're in the client care business and we're all about taking care of people through this amazing journey. But we don't get to serve anybody if we don't first figure out how to generate leads yeah. and get in the path of business and, and be the first person that, that these guys call when they have a, a, a buying or selling need. So yeah. I think every agent needs to understand first and foremost, whether you like the idea of sales or not, you are in sales and every agent needs to understand that they are in the lead generation business. First and foremost, we, we call it filling the top of the funnel. We have to own the top of our funnel. And that's what five spokes and archetypes is all about. And so first, we're, we're in the lead generation business. Secondly, we need to understand that, well, the way I like to think about this is you could really make good money in, in the real estate business simply by generating the leads. And, and a good example of this yeah. is, if you think about it, Zillow has taken um, years now to, what I would say, own the top of the real estate funnel. So if I think about the funnel and the top half of it is about marketing and then generating leads and then incubating leads to get to the point of an appointment, well, that's the top half of the sales funnel. Then it's about showings and listing presentations and negotiations and closing skills and uh, getting it to close and then after sales, uh, follow up and service. Well, Zillow procures all these leads at the top of the funnel and sells them to real estate agents all around the country for a 35% referral fee. That means 35% of the revenue is tied into just getting the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we like to talk about the top half of the funnel being the business generation part of real estate, and the bottom half is the business administration. Now, we don't think of administration, but when we think of showing homes or sitting at the listing table, we wouldn't think of that as administration. But if you're Zillow, that's exactly how they think about it. Right. They're saying, look, the money, the top half of this funnel is in generating the opportunity. And you know, we've got opportunities to buy leads from Zillow or realtor.com or elsewhere. But if we can take control of the top of the funnel, right. that's where we get to thrive as real estate agents. And so we're in the lead generation business. We've got to focus on the top of the funnel, which is the business generation portion of things. And then the other great idea that I think every agent needs to understand that, for me at least, was one of the most freeing parts of understanding real estate uh, lead generation and prospecting, is unlike a lot of sales spaces, I don't know, selling vacuum cleaners or something else, uh, real estate, there is an organic demand. We're we're not in the business of creating a demand. We're not going to people who aren't thinking of buying and saying, hey, you should buy a house. Well, some of us are, but they're not (laughs) understanding the business, right? Right. The best agents understand that every day people wake up and get married, or they have babies, or they, their family changes because they've, they're empty nesters, or they even get divorced. Mm-hmm. And this creates real, organic, uh, market-driven demand to buy and sell. Our job is not to create that. Our job is to be at the right place at the right time. We call that getting in the path of business. I like to think of a stream of business that's happening every single day.
0: With or without you.
1: Absolutely. So if you don't get out of bed and you don't position yourself to be the person that's top of mind or at the right place at the right time, then they're going to find someone who will serve them. So it's a beautiful idea because we're not trying to twist anyone's arm. We're not trying to peddle a product. We're just trying to make sure that when people are ready to make a purchase or sale, we're the people they come to. Absolutely. And again, we call that getting in the path of business. And it's freeing because it helps us understand that our job is to be present and available and provide great service. It's not to try and sell people something. Right. The product that we sell isn't housing; it's us and our ability to guide them through this uh, this uh, journey. So, the final thing I'll say on this idea of why start with lead generation is. I think so many agents tend to think of the word either well either lead generation or prospecting right. is, is a big word that we throw around prospecting and I, I always think that uh, agents feel like prospecting is a four letter word which uh, I, th- I think that explains itself we we don't want <laughs> to prospect the idea of prospecting seems dirty or right. but it really isn't prospecting is is uh, when done right when you understand archetypes when you in- intentionally build a lead generation flow and system right. and plan that's about um, the client and, and value creation. Prospecting is just the work to be done to ensure that we're positioning ourselves to be in the path of business. And then we get the beautiful opportunity to serve people through this transaction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to fill the top of the funnel. Um, if, yeah, it's all about relationships, but you have to fill the top of your funnel to be able to get anywhere, to be able to serve anyone. Um, so yeah, looking at it as in the right way and not is something that's bad or scary.
1: I'll add one more thing to that. Um, I think it's also freeing to, if you're you're truly someone that cares about the client, if you're truly someone that's showing up to be trained and growing, and if you're going out of your way to give 121% to serve every people, every person, uh, uh, and you're defying mediocrity and delivering extraordinary experiences, to some extent, you being the person that gets that opportunity is exactly what that client needs. There's a lot Absolutely. of agents out there who don't care, yeah. who aren't going the extra mile and who are cutting corners and just trying to get a sale. So I like to think that our team members owe it to the market to right. show up and get in the path of business because we know we're going to do right by these uh, these clients.
0: Yeah, and own that and believe that and that makes it seem less scary, I think, and you, if you do really believe that. They're going to be better if I'm serving them. So, all right. Um, so, taking all of that in, into account, um, we want to dig into our actual topics of today and helping us think through building our lead generation plan. Um, so, first, we need to understand um, this idea of agent archetypes. Um, so, let's spend a little time just kind of reviewing um, what agent archetypes are.
1: Yeah. So, we've touched on this, but let's let's dive a little a little deeper. So, mm-hmm. the idea that we call agent archetypes um, is is really two. And uh, if we call it continuums, but as you look at the picture on the north-south continuum, you've got at the top this idea of your well, that this line is about our sales style, our communication style, and, and preferences. This is about being true to who we are, yep. so that we can understand how to tailor our marketing plan and our prospecting plan to fit our unique abilities and our skills. Yep. So some of us fall. On the north end of this line, on what we would call a direct sales approach, a direct communication approach, we're going to go to people. We're going to get—we uh, like to say—belly to belly, voice to voice. We're just going to—we're uh, hunters. We're going to go out and and be direct with with uh, our clients, our prospects, our people, our SOI. On the bottom end of that, we would uh, refer to more indirect sales styles. You could think of those people as a little more introverted or. Um, and then obviously direct is more extroverted and that kind of maps up, but it's, it's, it's perhaps more or less than that. Um, our indirect, uh, sales style means that we would prefer to have people raise their hand and then follow up with them. We'd prefer people to come to us. And so we have to set up our, our marketing and lead generation system to, uh, ensure that that happens. Then on the left, right, or East, West side we've got a preference between warm on the right-hand side lead. These are people we know, like, and trust, and that already know us. And that sounds intuitive. We would rather deal, some agents would rather deal with people that are on the warm side of this uh, continuum. But to, to, to those folks, they think it's crazy, but there's another whole group of people that actually much prefer the idea on the cold side of picking up the phone and speaking to a perfect stranger than trying to engage in that same sales or uh, business conversation with friends, family. Yeah, seems more uh,
0: approachable to them. Some they'd rather talk to strangers than the people that they know. Yeah,
1: and and so these are different. Yeah. and what we've known and learn and see every single day is that agents fall on different sides of both of those spectrums. And mm-hmm. so what that does, it creates a nice little grid of four different types of agents. We call them archetypes. Mm-hmm. And so on the top right-hand corner, we've got our networker. These are our uh, folks who are going to go out, find the people that they want to talk to, but they're going to want to be engaging with friends, family, past clients, people they know, like, and trust. They really love to play up in that space. On the left-hand upper quadrant, we've got our prospectors. Also direct in their communication or sales style, but actually more inclined to want to speak to someone they just met or someone they've never met. Yeah. So they're not afraid to pick up the phone. These are our hunters. They're going to go out and chase business, pick up the phone, knock on the door, send the mailing. Yeah. At the bottom left-hand quadrant, we've got our converters. These are the interesting ones. These guys are, again, on the cold side. They would prefer to speak with a stranger okay. than a friend or family member. But they're also... They would prefer to do that in a way that they're not going out and chasing this individual, that this individual raised their hand through some mechanism. Um, uh, we'll get to some examples of what that might look yep. like. Now, what the, our converter good at doing is incubating and following up. They're very systematic, and they're going to do a great job incubating this opportunity through time. Yep. And then at our bottom right-hand corner, we've got our marketers. And our marketers, like our networkers, prefer the warm space, but maybe they're not as extroverted or they don't want to go directly to these individuals. They're going to do a good job of positioning themselves in front of friends, family, and past clients, for example. Uh, with high top of mind awareness, so today a lot of that's being done through marketing in the social media space. So we got our four types of agents: networker, prospector, converter, and marketer. And you know what we know to be true is that agents, especially, you know, we sit down with new agents every single day. Yep. And when we show this to everybody, we have a. Uh, We might not have ever sold a house, but we have some gut feelings about ourselves. And so as we draw this for folks right away, if you're hearing this for the first time, you will realize you're probably gravitating to one side or the other um, because you've got life experience and you know what you do and don't like and who you are and aren't. So we gravitate to one or the other. And uh, that's the four archetypes.
0: Yeah, sometimes the way I even explain that too is um, that resonates with people is what what gets you most excited or gives you the most energy you think, I mean, thinking about strangers versus people that you know going out directly versus you know waiting for creating the systems where people come to you so sometimes that framing it that way helps them think about it too well
1: you can watch people when when you describe prospectors you can watch them sink into their chair or or vice versa (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely um
1: and so yeah it starts with the idea of being true to who we are and then Obviously, the goal is to build our lead generation plan and our marketing plan around those skills.
0: Yeah. So let's dig into a little bit more about, um, and again, I always like to say, too, none of these are easier or harder. Um, So I'd like to spend a little time just kind of digging into the things that they need, um, what maybe makes them easier or more difficult in some of these spaces. So um, let's dig into each one of these kind of thinking through even getting as specific as there are there CRMs, budgets, um, things that we need to be thinking about in each of these spaces um, as we kind of think about who we are. Um, so let's start with Networker. Um, what are some of the strategies, tactics that we're um, coaching people that think they might land here?
1: Yeah, and so help me through this because yeah, we obviously spent a lot of time talking through these. Our networker is our uh, well. These are our people. People, right? Mm-hmm. They just love to be out and about with their social networks. Maybe they've got kids in a lot of sporting events, or perhaps they're just very connected through their church group or whatever it might be. But these people love to be with people. They get their energy from being around people. They know a lot of people, and a lot of people know them. And so our networkers need to be focused on getting FaceTime and voice time with the, their database and their people. Mm -hmm. Um, the skills for a networker are, are really more about, uh, uh, not scripts, but dialogues and, and conversation starters that as they're with their folks, um, they're able to engage in conversations that help their network understand the value of working by referral. And, uh, um, you know, we've got a lot of networkers in our company yes. and, and I, I want to touch on this. We've got to be careful yes. not to confuse networkers with the idea of working by referral. This happens right. a lot. Our networkers do work by referral, but really all four of our archetypes can work by referral. Absolutely. The networkers are just more inclined to start there. And right. so their five spokes are going to likely start with their database right away. They know a lot of people, um, uh, our networkers, obviously, the more social groups and contexts that they can create to be with people. I, I like to describe networkers as they're they're out uh, shaking hands and kissing babies. Yep. And they get their energy from it too. And so, them creating context where they can do that with their database is huge. So whether that's client functions or parties or additional social groups or even starting business-to-business network groups with other local business owners in yep. the marketplace to create social context. Uh, is just a natural skill for these guys. Now, what's interesting about a networker is some of the systems or tools. And as we think about, we'll use three examples CRMs, right. budget, and website as three ways to think about the differences between these. What these need, yeah. So, a networker doesn't need a super uh, prospecting oriented uh, database management system. Their CRM is really more about. Really knowing who their best people are, when their birthdays are, when their spouse's birthdays are, uh, their kids' names, uh, their preferences and stuff like that. Because our networkers love to take their best friend or a past client to golf, uh, because that's what that client loves. And so a CRM for a networker is about tracking their relationships and remembering all these dates and events that are going on so that they can, in a relational way, stay in touch with all their people. Absolutely. And uh, from a budget standpoint, then, a networker doesn't need a lot of marketing dollars necessarily or lead generation dollars. They need money for their client parties. Yeah. They need a budget for lunches and coffees as they can take their, uh, their friends, family, and past clients to, to just uh, reconnect and check in with them and ask how things are going. Um, so their budget is again all geared towards this relational element of continuing to being. build value into the relationship. Being
0: with your people, absolutely. A yeah.
1: networker's website is also an interesting thing because they might not need a, a a website that's all about lead capture or you know fill in this form and then I can get your name so I can incubate you. Uh, a a networker is all about the story of them and their personality and um, how that relates to their value proposition to their to their clients. And so uh, a networker is building a website that uh, showcases them and maybe a lot of testimonials of all the people that they get to serve, Uh, whereas some of our other archetypes are going to need more lead capture and um, more marketing-oriented communications. And so a networker is a unique creature. And a lot of our agents gravitate towards the space because we tend to recruit people into this relational idea of the real estate business. So we have a lot of networkers um, but that is only one way to go about this.
0: Yeah. And I think um, what I experience when I'm talking with agents about this, and a lot of people do gravitate toward that networker space, but one of the challenges that I've come across with people is that if they're new to an area, they, they gravitate to that space, but they're new to an area. You don't have a bunch of people that you know, so it is a challenge if your database is small Um to really go about this and like go kill it in the business in that direction right away, um, so that's definitely a challenge that I think of in the networker space right away. Or I guess maybe a danger is maybe being too comfortable with just your people. Um, so hey, I've been here my whole life; I know all these people. But maybe I need to do more. Like who who else can I be speaking to as well? So um, those are some of the the cons that I kind of come across or challenges and things that I see in that networker space as well. It's good. So let's stay on the warm side. Um, You tend to go in the opposite direction (laughs) than I do. Um, So let's stay on the warm side and let's talk about what a marketer needs, some of the skills, strategies, um, challenges, pros, cons, those things.
1: Yeah. So if our networker gets their energy by picking up the phone and calling people and scheduling lunches and coffees and getting client parties together, our marketer might be a little more intimidated by some of that direct action and communication but they love the idea, obviously, of serving and communicating and staying in front of friends, family, and past clients. So our marketers are more inclined to ensure that they're working really hard to create top-of-mind awareness with their database. And uh, there's a lot of ways to go about doing that. But if we go back to our three core elements, a marketer is maybe going to need a little bit more, well, first of all, marketing skills, social media skills, design skills, or the capacity to invest in someone Um to be able to put together Do those marketing materials. Absolutely. Yeah. Because our marketer is about creating a brand and an aesthetic and they're, they're, they're creating the context of, of, of why, why you want to rem- remember them and, and want to work with them yeah. through this brand narrative that they're telling through multiple mediums. And so they might need a little bit more of a, a budget. First of all, Yeah, if I think about a, a marketer's CRM, they um, uh, they actually might need less focus on a systematic CRM. Um, But uh, on the website side, Mm -hmm. um, again, a marketer is going to be, well, just very capable at telling the story, not so much of their sales proposition. It's not so much about how they go about marketing homes, but more about the brand story of who they are. And, um, And so, yeah, our our marketers today, uh, if I go back to 10, 15 years ago, we're doing a great job with billboards, print ads. I I think of myself as a marketer back in the day. A good example of this is I remember my print ads from 15, 20 years ago. One of the first things I did, only having two listings, was walk around the office and ask other agents, hey, would you mind if I include your listings in my little one-page ad that I'm going to run? and I'll give you credit and I'll make sure, you know, it's going to help the you. Rules, yeah, yeah I'm gonna, but I'm going to help you sell your property. And yeah. they were like, "Well, yeah, of course, but that's dumb. Why would you do that?" And <laughs> well, in my mind that was a no-brainer because I was able to position myself at the top of that page with my name, my contact information, with a whole bunch of amazing listings. And so that's the mind of a marketer. I wasn't as inclined to just pick up the phone and schedule a client party. But I I knew how to position myself in front of my people in such a way that they were like, wow, look at all this uh, opportunity that's in front of us. And and there's Dylan's name and face on top of it. So we have a lot of marketers in our company as well. And a lot of times marketers and networkers kind of conflate a little bit. Um, Because they're all gravitating towards this warm side of uh, of our archetypes.
0: Yeah, and I think some of the things that I take away or learned from you and our marketing team collectively just about market this marketing space is um, this is marketing. Find find out who your tribe is. Like, who are you trying to speak to and solve their problems? Um, And then they ask you answer. Like, they're actually a part of building their brand is actually just putting out valuable content. Like, and that's how they're they're not telling the I'm good at selling. It's the here's some things you need to know about this process.
1: And that's where we're at in today's marketplace with marketing marketing is not about if you really think about it advertising you marketing is about understanding your core audience their needs wants hopes and dreams and then tailoring your product to answer those needs for them and so our marketers have had to learn like you've said to rethink marketing out of the advertising space and into telling better stories that really position our clients as the core focus of our storytelling uh, we're here to help them get to their dreams. And so our agents are doing a great job telling those stories a lot through social media. Um, but again, there's some old school marketing mechanisms, direct mailing campaigns. Um, uh, it's all about telling the story of our value to our people. And, and really, the best way to think about this is uh, that old phrase, adium that we use. Uh, um, uh, our success in real estate is directly proportionate to the number of people who, when they think of real estate, think of us. Our marketer is going to be working to make sure that when people think of real estate, they remember them through a whole bunch of different mediums. Uh, But again, principally, a lot of that's digital at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. All right. So moving over, I'm going over to the bottom left quadrant. Um, So staying indirect. I know I do it in a different (laughs) order. You can do a different order if you want to. Um, But in the mark or in the converter space. So now we're in the indirect and we are with stranger. So what does this look like?
1: Yeah, our converters are um, incredibly capable and diligent at incubating and following up and being systematic. So our converters, again, don't want to pick up the phone, uh, maybe more than any of the other archetypes specifically, and go chase uh, an individual or a business, especially as we compare them to our prospectors, where we're going to go. Our, our converter, though, if, if there's an online lead and somebody raises their hand and says, hey, I have a question about this property, our converters naturally know how to follow up immediately, either through text or email or sometimes through phone, um, and then stay on top of this opportunity. You know, in, in our world today, online leads sometimes are taking anywhere from six to 18 months to incubate yeah. to get to the point that these people are actually ready to look at a home. And that, uh, that doesn't concern our, our converters because they're going to take these individuals, stick them into a platform that constantly reminds them to stay in touch, create ongoing communication to this lead, value-driven communication. Absolutely. So sending them new listings or keeping them informed of the market. And uh, it's just a systematic approach to ongoing lead generation. Now, our converters, though, tend to need a, a budget.
0: Yeah, A converter
1: needs to either be spending money on a system like Zillow or realtor.com to procure those leads. So it costs them a little more money to get these opportunities, or they have to invest in their own online lead generation platform. And there's lots of opportunities like that that exist in the market. They're a little expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the beautiful thing about this is if you can do this right, you can build a uh, increasing base of leads that are being systematically incubated. And if you can be diligent about that over time, You really can't produce a steady ongoing stream. And we've got a lot of great converters inside of our walls who have done a really, really good job of building systems to generate opportunities, to get people to raise Raise their hands and then to incubate those over time. A converter does need a little more robust of a CRM. Yeah, They've got to have a good CRM because they're going to have hundreds and hundreds, thousands, actually, of names and numbers of people at various stages of the transaction, not even the transaction, of just searching. Yeah. And what a converter needs to do is ensure that there's an ongoing flow of touches and communication. And, and you can't do that manually. You're going to need a system, and so the CRM is a big deal. Again, they need a slightly bigger budget, and typically our converters are going to need a lead generation website. Yeah, They're going to need a website that can bring people in Uh, Typically, this is either a bunch of opportunities to sign up for free forms or information or whatever, or most likely, it's actually through the search function. You've got a customer who's going to be looking for a home in a certain area, they find your website, and as they're searching, if they want more information on any of those, there's tons of reasons for them to raise their hand, and then the converter can follow up and provide great value and care.
0: I think you already touched on this, so yeah, the challenge with some of our newer agents is really that budget space. So the ones who want to play in this space know that it can give them some really instantaneous leads um, quicker than maybe some of the other spaces can. Um, it is is it it is a budget question a, a lot of times. Well, there's about, a
1: couple of other places that converters can yeah, play. Absolutely. And so you know. A converter can generate a lot of leads through open houses is one of the great places converters can be. An open house is not you chasing someone. You've set the stage. You're inviting people in as they come to eat the cookies and see the house. Mm -hmm. We get to engage with these individuals and then follow up and help them understand other listings that are available. And so converters can play really, really well in the open house space. Now, that's been a challenge the last couple of years with low inventory. Another opportunity for converters is actually teams. A lot of our strong converters, one of the best things they can do to get their business started is to join a team where the team lead or the team has excess of lead opportunities. And they're more than happy to pass those on. And most of our new converters are happy to receive those leads for a referral fee and uh, incubate those over time. So yes, in time, a converter needs a budget. But there's ways to get started uh, without that budget. Without, yeah. In essence, it's still a budget. You're yeah. just paying it by way of a referral fee.
0: And, or you're I mean, more time, I guess, maybe just as far as spending the time in the open houses and those kinds of things. So, all right, let's wrap it up with the top left quadrant then our prospectors. So these are out face-to-face, voice-to-voice with strangers. So um, what do these people need? Strategies? Let's talk through those.
1: Yeah. So th- when I think of prospectors, I I, I, I tend to think of our old school sales training. Right. I go right. back to the uh, the old school scripts that we learned. These are these are our true hunters. And we don't have a lot of them because of our relational approach to business. But right. we've got several prospectors inside of our walls that have absolutely killed it because they're not afraid. They're not afraid to hear no. Right. They're not afraid to go and pick up the phone or knock on a door. And literally knocking on doors is one of the yes. ways to do that. Yes, but our, proct- our prospectors are hunters, so direct communication style, not afraid of the cold. They understand that getting nine no's to get one yes is okay. Yep. And uh, what our prospectors need is a lot of, well, time and effort. So they've got it because they are the machine and the workhorse that's making the calls and getting things done. Some prospectors, in terms of systems, need a, a dialing system. Yeah. They do need a, a robust CRM as well but their CRM might be more actually about uh, a system that can give them the contact information for the people they need to reach out. They might need to buy databases in order to do mailing campaigns out to certain neighborhoods. But our prospector is going out and they're opening doors uh, proactively with, with people. So um, on, the, on, the, on the website side, for example, our prospectors might need a lower budget because they yeah. don't need to spend quite as much money, but they might need a robust website that's very effective at showing why they're the agent you want to work with. Okay. Where a marketer is going to tell the story of them and their clients and who they are and how they serve them, our prospector is going to say, this is why I sell homes I faster. I get it done. Yeah. This is why my value proposition is better. And Because our prospector is speaking with a lot of people and then directing them to a channel to understand, look, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the gal to get this home sold for you, or I'm the person you want to work with because here's how I produce better results. Um, and so their website is, uh, I don't know, a little more salesy perhaps than some of the others, but that's what prospectors are great at. Uh, going out, chasing, opening the doors, hearing no to yes. get the Yes. And that can be very, very effective. And now again, when we say that, that can sound very transactional. Yeah. But with our approach to this business, it really isn't. Because whether we're generating leads as a networker in our social groups, as a prospector by knocking on doors, picking up the phone to, to, to reach out to people who might be thinking of buying or selling a converter or a marketer, our ultimate goal, remember, is to turn these people into a long-term prospect. Uh, yeah. Sorry, a long, long-term, long-term relationship, relationship. Uh, uh, based on the referral-based business.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to still see people with that dollar sign above their head. That's the picture I see. They can still be a, a relationship that you're adding to all of your people. So that's good. Um, so I think the one other thing that I want to say about archetypes before we move on to how this helps us then build our, um, our five spokes is... Um, you might surprise yourself. I mean, really hardly anyone, especially when they're newer, when this is the first time they're thinking about it, live in exactly one quadrant. Um, So just be open to the idea of trying things in different spaces um, and not just in the space that you think you lie in or gravitate towards. um, And then give it time, Um, (laughs) see what really is working, and then maybe work towards where you ideally want to be. Maybe I have to start in the converter prospector space to be able to fill my funnel, but I really eventually want to mainly live in that networker space. So um, yeah, know that it's more, you don't have to be in one and sometimes you surprise yourself when you try things in different areas
1: this is like the uh, personality profiles a lot yeah. of people take uh it doesn't doesn't define you we're not in a box we're <laughs> not putting you in a box but there certainly are clear differences in people's preferences and unique skills and so yeah I li- we like to think of it as a heat map you, yeah <clears throat> you may fall in two or three of these more than one you may gravitate exclusively to one but as a new agent you really need to diversify outside of that. For example, you've got a small database. One day you totally want to be just running around shaking hands and kissing babies. But But for today, for the next year, what you need to do is go out, do some open houses, work on your marketing, and ensure that you're also um, chasing some opportunities geographically, for example. And so, uh, yeah, it's a heat map and it's a guide. And it's more of a guide to help us understand how we can move into our unique ability uh, than it is uh, trying to put anyone in the corner. Yep. Absolutely. And then just to remind everyone again, I've said it already, but uh, none of these are the distinction between working by referral or not. All of these archetypes, ultimately, we believe the goal is, is to fill the top of the funnel so that we can create a remarkable client experience so that we can turn these people into advocates. And if we can do that right, regardless of where we're at on this, we believe and have seen that in time, we start to see that more and more of our leads are actually coming through our database and referrals, regardless of where we fall on Absolutely. these. Forums.
0: Not transactional versus relational. It's a key component. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's shift gears then. Uh, five spokes. Angela, you spend a ton of time with people talking through this because this is really where you live with a lot of our new agents, helping them get their marketing and lead generation plans put together in that first year or so. Yeah. We talk about five spokes a lot, not just with new agents, but with everyone. You've been doing this 20 years. You're still every year looking at your five spokes, thinking about your lead generation plan. So let's talk about what five spokes is. Uh, how we go about doing this and why this is important.
0: Yeah, so I want to kind of start with the things that we don't want our lead generation plan to be um, and kind of what doesn't define a good diversified lead generation strategy Um, because I feel like, yeah, no matter who you are and where you are in this business, I've spent time with even transfer agents that have been in the business for a long time that haven't really ever taken this approach. Um, So I feel like what a lot of agents are doing um, or think that they need to start from is kind of some of these bad, (laughs) poor typical lead generation strategies, which is um, they're haphazard. So I have no real plan. I'm going to shoot out a bunch of stuff (laughs) and see what happens. Um, They're passive. Um, I have a lot of agents that, well, I, I sent my letter out then, then they did nothing. They were expecting the phone to ring after that. So it's very passive in that way. Um, it's inconsistent. There is no actual plan. Um, I'm going to try this, try this, you know, it's maybe this, this month I'm focusing on this. It's not consistent. Um, it's very reactive. Oh, good. My phone rang. Now I'm going to go do something. I have a lead instead of, I'm going to go intentionally get in the path of business. Um, and the last one I always think about, um, Brian Buffini does a really good job of picking out these two ideas that are good visuals for me as a visual person. Um, he talks about shiny object syndrome. Realtors have this problem um, with, oh, that looks so shiny and new. Like, Let's go try that. That sounds like a great way to go get a bunch of leads. Let's go try this for a little bit. Oh, it didn't work. And oh, here's, here's the next one.
1: Every week we're being solicited oh, by my all goodness. these different lead generation companies saying, hey, for just 20 bucks a month or 500 bucks, you can get this. And so we yeah. tend to chase those things and and then realize, well, that didn't work out and then move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And so the other, the other visual of that that's very, very similar to this kind of gives you the same concept as the bumblebee approach to real estate. So like, I'm going to buzz over here to this flower and then I'm going to buzz over here to this flower. And I'm just going to keep trying all these all these different things um, and never really sticking with anything in actual plan of action. So um, we don't want our agents to have any of those things happening with their lead generation strategies. So what we do want, and this is where we're going with our five spokes, is that we want it to be diversified. We don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. So even as we were saying is a challenge and for some networkers is maybe putting all their eggs in one basket early on in their business when they're not really growing their database or meeting new people and things like that. So we want to diversify our strategy. Um, we need to have an actual plan of action. Um, So what am I going to do today, this week, this month, this year, in this space? What does it actually look like? Um, Proactive, again. I am constantly putting things out there. I think you said it really well in that marketing space to constantly staying top of mind so that when people think of real estate, they think of you. So it's constantly putting things out there, being proactive in your approach. Um, And then I think about the word accountability. So not only, I'm not talking about accountability with a partner necessarily, it's more checking yourself. Am I on the right track? What's working? What's not working? Um, And going back and thinking, how can I make this better? How can I make some changes um, to make my plan better? Because it's, either working or not.
1: Well, it's hard to be accountable to a plan that you don't have. Right. And most real estate agents, and when I say most, I really do mean yes, most. Truly. Even if they've been in the business for 10, 15 years, when they encounter five spokes, they go, oh my gosh, if I'd had that level of clarity yes. early on, how much further would my business have been? Because most agents don't set a path, don't have a plan. And so it's very hard to measure success on any given week other than by whether or not you sold homes. And so, yeah, diversification, a plan of action that's proactive, that you can be accountable to, sounds like a great place to start. Yeah. So uh, talk about how we go about building this then. So yeah. I can picture the five spokes. Yep. It's a very uh, visceral image, and we have it everywhere inside of our organization. Um, I'm a new agent, or maybe I'm a transfer, and I've never been intentional about my lead generation strategy. How do I get started?
0: So yeah, so it it does actually go back to the archetypes idea. So from the archetypes, we kind of have, you know, a list of action ideas or activity ideas that you can kind of take that land into those quadrants. So maybe I'm going to start with if I do naturally gravitate towards being a networker, I'm going to maybe pick some of the ones that maybe land in that space and then diversify into other spaces as well. Um, But yeah, it's all about just identifying what things that you're going to go do. So picking the categories, picking the things you're going to go do as a header, I guess I, I call it with a lot of the people. Um, and again, five isn't magical. Um, we want five as kind of in the ideal space because a lot less than five is probably not enough to actually fill the top of your funnel, but way more than five is really hard to manage. Um, so that's kind of why this five number came about as kind of that ideal space where we want people to land. Um, but first you have to pick. So pick what your things are going to be gravitate towards your natural unique abilities and archetypes, um, and then outside of that to diversify. Then once you have your categories, your headers, as I call them, um, you need to write a plan of action for these. So set some SMART goals. Um, So SMART, again, meaning specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. What am I going to go do in each of these spaces? Um, And again, narrowing it down to what does every day look like when I am going to go talk to my sphere? Maybe if that's one of your categories, what does every day look like if social media is one of my categories, what am I going to do every day, every week in that space?
1: So I might say my, one of my spokes is getting referrals, Yeah. Ooh. but that's okay. not quite specific enough, is it? Right. So right. I need to now take that down to, if I'm going to work through my database, what are my specific action plans on a weekly, monthly, and even daily basis going to be to measure my inputs to get those referrals.
0: Yeah, because we want everyone, lead generation, you are in the lead generation business, when you're new especially and you have nothing at the top of your funnel, you need to spend your time, effort and energy digging into your lead generation to fill the top of your funnel. So um, not only can I name the thing that I'm gonna go do, I have to actually have a plan for it so that every day when I'm sitting down for my 30 minutes to an hour of lead generation time, I know exactly what I need to do in each of these spoke spaces on a daily basis.
1: So I'm, uh, I'm identifying about five. Yep. I'm working to put together a written plan for each of these. And presumably then I need to figure out when I'm actually going to be executing this stuff. So I feel like, uh, time blocking yes. and planning my week and my month becomes a big part of this too then.
0: Absolutely. Um, so it's kind of having a general idea, general goal. So you can even set your kind of end goal. Like what does this look like to at the end of the day, how do I know, how am I going to know if it worked or was successful? Like kind of where do I want to go with this? And then kind of work your way backwards. Um, even setting some of those, um, annual, like if you're a networker, again, I'm going to have one client party that goes first. Um, and then you kind of work backwards to your daily plan for how many calls am I going to make? How many notes am I going to write each week? Um, how many pot buys am I going to get out on a monthly basis? Um, so it's, yeah, really time blocking for, Lead generation, one of these things happening, laying it all out, ideally for a calendar year, I guess is what you would say.
1: So use a couple more examples. Let's say Zillow. Let's yes. play, I'm a converter and yeah. I need some Zillow leads and I've got a budget and I'm going to spend a certain amount. Um, how do I go about planning that? Because I I'd probably have to pick my geography, my budget, my zip codes yep. and then time. That I'm going to dedicate to towards that.
0: Yeah, I think so. So I mean, yeah, you're getting people to raise your hand. So if, I mean, first and foremost in that space, you have to start with how much money can I put towards this, and that kind of can maybe sometimes help define your geographic area. But yeah, then every day, um, your lead generation part of being a Zillow, you know, that being one of your strategies, honestly, is more in the lead incubation space. Then so you're taking the leads that you have and working to incubate and convert them. You're looking at that CRM that has this list of names. I need to schedule time. And you for this need to schedule daily. time to go follow up with these people. So yep. that's your strategy. Um, more in the incubation space once you get them, but it starts with that budget and the plan and the geographic area.
1: So maybe I'm a marketer and I'm saying, well, social media is yes. one of my lead generation yes. tactics. So how would I go about planning that as an example?
0: That's one of my favorite ones. I think everybody's like, well, I'm going to do social media. I'm like, okay, well, What What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So I think it, uh, what platform is going to be your main focus, right? So am I going to mostly focus on Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok? So it's even just picking your platforms. Um, Then it's kind of setting out your, okay, content, value driven content. Who's my audience? Who am I speaking to? Um, and then saying, okay, how many times am I going to post, do a video? Um, how many times am I going to engage? I think people forget about the engagement space in the marketing space to just going and finding your people and reacting to their stuff is a really good way to be out there in your marketing. So what's your plan for putting stuff out there? Um, and for, and then engaging with your people in that space. And again, daily, weekly, monthly, where are you going with that?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's certainly diversification, plan of action, proactive, and accountability. I mean, as we run through these examples, you could see how this really s- s- creates a job all of a yes. sudden. This, this helps me define what my job is moving forward. Now, um, I'm new. Mm-hmm. I'm picking these things. I, um do I need to, how long do I need to be consistent with these before I make a tweak or? Yeah,
0: it depends. I feel like, um, depending on what you pick, some of them take longer to know if they're working or not. Um, so some of them, I don't want you to give up too early. Um, for example, if you pick uh, geographic farming, um, you're not going to know if that's working really. And if you lay the right f- groundwork into that, um, f- for an eighteen to twenty-four months, so that's a long game one. Um, but I feel like things more like Zillow, where maybe people are raising their hand more quickly to you, you may be able to make adjustments more quickly to that. Um, that's more like a three to six month. You mentioned even going up beyond that with online leads and things like that too. Um, so it kind of depends. But if you're not tracking, if you don't have a plan, um, and if you're not tracking, you can't improve upon what you don't measure. So you have to kind of have an ideal outcome. And work backwards from that and depending on the things that you choose know when is a good time to make a tweak
1: well that's why i think having a written picture of your five spokes and then a written one page plan for each of those spokes that's something that you can review um, you can hold yourself accountable to you can measure your results against it's both complicated and about the most simple no-brainer you could possibly imagine Um, but what we've realized is a lot of people, well, everyone really getting into real estate, that's not the kind of guidance most agents are, are provided. And so that's why they're bumblebees. Yes. And But even top agents uh, that tend to ride up and down the waves, they get super busy and then all of a sudden they're not as busy anymore. And that's because they backed off on their intentional lead generation plan. Yeah. And so five spokes is a great place to start. But it really is a place to live. Uh, Always. I don't care how big your company is. You might be a Fortune 500 company. You have to have a marketing and lead generation plan to keep the top of the funnel full.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the best picture that I can give to that is um, Buffini separates you are the owner of your business and he separates them into you are the CEO, the COO, and the CFO. And that was a really clear picture for me. So this CEO, your sales and marketing is five times more important than those other two legs of your business. So if you are not spending five times of your time or focusing on this, um, then you're not really generating a business um, and spending your time here. So don't forget when you get busy in those in the operational side of working with clients, don't forget to generate more leads. So you always have a steady flow.
1: Yeah, as a new agent, one of the biggest dangers is you do generate a couple leads and then you get busy with those because it's a lot of work to serve a couple people when you're new and then you back off on your lead generation plan and then you find yourself in a rut. And so scheduling the time sounds like a big part of this, Um, having a plan and uh, no brainer, but... uh, incredibly important to success, especially in that first year.
0: And I want to point out to uh, our new agents as well that we have a lot of resources. So if you literally have no idea, okay, I'm going to do open houses, but what does that mean? Um, we have a ton of resources for you. Um, ask, a, ask a coach for some ideas, but then also um, even through C21 University, honestly, there's really good how do I go about this thing? Um, how do I build this? What what does this look like? What are some scripts and dialogues that I need to learn in these spaces? So um, there's a lot of resources. So all you got to do is ask, and we can point you in the right direction. All right. So. Let's move on to um, wrapping this up. So overall, we have talked about our why we are in the lead generation business. We've talked about kind of identifying um, who we are as an agent archetype, and then building your diversified five spokes lead generation plan. So um, we have some other just pro tips that we want to leave you with. So pro tips to building a strategic lead generation plan that maybe we have or haven't covered yet. So um, do you want to take those?
1: yeah well some of these we've covered but it's important to restate so again archetypes don't get over obsessed with the idea of only being in your archetype especially in that first year This is a a guide and a framework to help you think about where you can actually take the four-letter word of prospecting and turn it into something enjoyable and fun. If you're truly a marketer or truly a prospector, finding a way to build a lead generation plan around that idea means you can be more and more in the space that you really thrive in. Absolutely. And that's our goal because we actually think that we can have a lot of fun generating a great business and serving good clients. Um, like Angela's mentioned, uh, some of these things take more time. Some lead generation strategies you're going to need six to twelve months of time, energy, and even financial investment to start seeing a return. Others, like door knocking or calling FISBOS, for example, as a prospector, well, you can see measurable and immediate results. Uh, and so, as a new agent, given our budget, given our time frame, and given the fact that we need to earn money. Again, we may need to operate out of our comfort zone for a little while to fill our funnel. We have another idea that we call red light, green light that we've borrowed from, well, uh, first of all, the playground, (laughs) but second of all, a couple of books. Uh, Red light, green light in lead generation and marketing is a concept that just means we need to make sure that we're actually measuring the results. So we go green light on our five spokes, and that means we put our pedal to the metal and we go, we go. We engage in the action plan, but we make sure we stop every few weeks, every month. We look at our inputs and our activities and we go, okay, hold on. Is this starting to produce a result? And, uh, and then th- if it's not in time, then we need to make sure we push red light. What we don't want to be doing is pouring money and time into something that isn't going to produce results. And so play red light, green light is an important idea. Uh, we touched on time blocking. It's, it's absolutely essential um, you know, we, a little saying that I think I got from Buffini uh, is just that agents, real estate agents, realtors, tend to actually be really, really good employees. They're just very bad employers. <laughs> yep. And you know, as an you are both of those things to your business. You are both the janitor and the CEO. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. We, we're actually quite good oftentimes at executing what somebody else would set out for us to execute. But your job, and, and we're here to help, but your job is to define what those action plans need to be. Um, and so a part of that is holding yourself accountable to show up on a daily basis to do the work that needs to be done. If you had a boss, and, and you are your boss, um, and you laid out the the work to be done clearly and you created an accountability plan, most of us would, would thrive and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, we struggle to do that when we're both of those people at the same time.
0: I, absolutely. <laughs> so five
1: spokes is about getting that written. It's really having an honesty moment. It's a look in the mirror moment to go, look, if I'm going to do this, I have to create these opportunities. And that can be a little intimidating and scary because as you look at the list of 30 to maybe not even 30, 25 real opportunities that exist to go generate leads, you realize, well, there's only so many places for this to happen. And if it is to be, it's up to me. And so you gotta show up, you gotta have a plan and you gotta block the time to do it. And you gotta protect that above all else because it's easy to get busy with all sorts of other things. But at the end of the day, you're in the lead generation business and if you're not filling the top of your funnel, no one else is going to. A couple more little ideas. It's just this idea that activity produces results. So much of this is about, like we said, getting in the path of business. Uh, The business is happening, guys. It's there. There's plenty. Uh, Abundance mindset. There's no lack of opportunity. And you're not taking anything from anyone else. There's plenty to go around. But you got to wake up and position yourself so that when people are thinking of making a move, you're the person they talk to. So just fix your mindset on getting in the path of business. There's nothing complicated about archetypes and five spokes. It's just about deciding to be intentional about building a business and starting with the first thing. Yep. And that's creating the opportunities in the first place.
0: Yeah. And focus on those activities and not the results. Don't, I mean, don't get down on I don't, not seeing the results, like keep focused on those activities because it will produce the results.
1: There's no one today that's selling millions and millions of dollars of real estate, living the high life that didn't have to start here. Absolutely. And so this is where we earn our earn our badges and uh, earn our opportunity to, to live the good life.
0: Absolutely. So today we focused on taking control of leads and getting in the path of business. Up next, we'll be focusing on another key component of creating a sustainable business, the idea of working by referral. Thank you for joining us on our Century 21 Foundation series. For more resources, other episodes, workbooks, and guides, head to c21foundations.com.